You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 28th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, coming to you here on a Tuesday for today's episode of Locked On Magic. we got a lot to get to today. We're going to break down the Orlando Magic's 121-109 loss to the Indiana Pacers. A better effort if you want to find a moral victory, but there are no moral victories to be had. It is still a defeat for the Orlando Magic uh, and and one that raises some, some familiar questions and reshuffles the deck on the Titanic. I got that analogy wrong. Reshuffles the deck chairs on the Titanic just a little too much for comfort. I'll talk about the Orlando Magic's lineup change. We've been talking about lineup changes here on the podcast for a few days now. So I'll talk about what the Magic did, what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, uh, and what I think still needs to be done and why I think the Magic should not be done tinkering with their lineup and their rotation as they try to find some type of answer to uh, to their current malaise um, and, and their current rut that they're in where they've now lost nine straight games. We're going to close the show off then with a little bit of national news, actually. Uh, as, as you know, I've talked about the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll, we'll hear from Lockdown Grizzlies a little bit about the, David, the surprise firing of David Fisdale. And I'll field a question that I've been getting a lot about the Magic Zone coach. I mean, the Magic are on a losing streak. They are disappointing everyone. Maybe... Maybe not. I'll talk a little bit about about that at the end of the show. But let's get straight into it today. The Orlando Magic taking on the Indiana Pacers over at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, closing this insanely, not insanely difficult, because it really wasn't that difficult, but it was a challenging eight road games in 10 games stretch. The Magic will now play Oklahoma City and Golden State to close out this really difficult stretch. Again, eight ga- eight road games in 10 games. It's, it'll be now be 12, including the next two. Um, the schedule's going to lighten up a little bit next week for sure. And then and the Magic are definitely going to be happy to see that happen. And, you know, they, they play back-to-back against New York and Charlotte Sunday and Monday. Those won't be easy games by any stretch of the imagination. But... Schedule definitely lightens up toward the end of the week. They get a couple days off. They play uh, Atlanta next week. So definitely an opportunity to get themselves out of the rut that they're in and maybe build some momentum back, build some confidence back to get back on the winning track. So if you're if you're if you're ready to tank and, and pack up the season, I can tell you that it is still way too early to do that. The Magic after the 121-109 loss to the Pacers are eight and thirteen. Not a great record. But not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, I think I've heard Frank Vogel say uh, after Saturday's loss. You know, we there. I think he actually said it after today, after after Monday's loss. Um, there is still time to get this thing back on track. You know, Aaron Gordon half jokingly, probably not half jokingly, but but said, you know, we're gonna burn off nine straight. And 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 you know, I'm an optimist enough to believe that. Yeah, the magic. This magic team has shown they are good enough to do so. But. They're not going to be good enough to do that playing the way that they're playing right now and even playing the way that they played against the Indiana Pacers. The Orlando Magic played with better effort than they've played in some time. I mean, we're at a point where we are judging effort and judging intensity and judging intention with this team. Are they doing the right things? Are they trying to keep... Are they are they sticking with the game plan? Are they not getting down on themselves? And, and honestly, 
Monday's game against the Pacers was about as well as the Magic have played in a while, even on the defensive end. They do end up giving up 121 points, um, but we'll talk about that in a moment. The Magic didn't do bad things. They gave themselves a chance to win on the road, and you know where last Monday against the Pacers, that felt like a normal loss. That felt like an acceptable loss. The Magic just did not have it in the end. Um, they, they turned the ball over too much. It was about execution. It wasn't about effort. It wasn't about anything else. A lot of the losses on this nine-game losing streak have been about effort. They've been, and again, I hate using the term effort, and I don't mean that to say in a pejorative way. It's just been about bringing the right energy, bringing the right intensity, bringing the right physicality to the game, and and, and sticking with the game plan even when things are going wrong, and not kind of giving in to frustration, which this team has done very much so, especially in the last week on the back end of this losing streak, and, and they've they've done that a lot during this losing streak. So, Orlando gave itself every chance to win the game. Uh, the Magic got off to a an energetic start. New starting lineup definitely helped a little bit with that. There's a little bit more urgency to their play. They played decently well, and then turnovers kind of got them at the end of the first quarter. They ended up giving up 33 points in the first quarter. And they found themselves down by about somewhere between 6 and maybe 10 or 11 points for most of the game. Every time it felt like Indiana was about to pull away, Orlando made a run, got it back down to four, made it close. Then Orlando would go through a, sh- a cold stretch shooting the ball. Indiana would use the transition points, get the lead back up to eight, nine, ten points. And that process would repeat. Until the end of the third quarter, Orlando made a nice run at the end of the third quarter, got the lead down to one. They took the lead by one early in the fourth quarter, and it looked like we would have ourselves a little bit of a basketball game. But that turned out not to be the case. Orlando finally kind of broke. They they had another one, another offensive drought, another period of time where they really struggled to score the ball, uh, and then uh, and then quite simply, Indiana just did not. Indiana was able to make shots and able to break the Magic spirit and the Magic's will defensively. And at this point, that is the story of the season: is the Magic just don't always have the will to compete for forty eight minutes. When things go bad, it does feel like there's that, oh, here we go again sense, and the team kind of gives in. And and again, I, I, I hate using these kind of pejorative, negative connotation words, but that's the best way I can describe it. Orlando had plenty of defensive breakdowns in this game. They weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They played with better energy and better intensity, but there were still some very real problems, and I'll talk a little bit more about those in the second segment of the show. But in that fourth quarter, Orlando let go of the rope, and it was very clear that they did. Indiana started getting wide-open threes, getting too much dribble penetration, kicking it back out to open shooters. The Magic's offense was stuck in that one-pass mode where they make one pass and someone just shoots it or, or someone tries to force things and shoot it, whether it was Jonathan Simmons or Evan Fournier. Uh, and, and and even to some extent Aaron Gordon, although Aaron played a very strong game in this one, um, it it just it just was a, a, the Magic just were, were trying to get themselves going again, trying to keep pace, and just could not. And that's been a constant thing that I've said and a constant theme that's happened throughout this nine game losing streak uh, is the Magic just cannot get themselves over that hump. They cannot get themselves to stay in games when teams throw a punch. They do not. They, they, they can't stick stick with them, especially tight, late in games. There's always this moment where things just kind of balloon on them. And the Magic saw a one-point lead balloon into an eight-point deficit, just like it had all game. 
They call a timeout. They try and regroup. Group, group, they try to regroup. The shots still don't fall. Indiana suddenly balloons the lead back out to 17. It was all very quickly, all within about two minutes. The, lead, the, the game went from close to done very, very quickly. And you could just kind of see, just like air rushing out of a balloon, you could just kind of see the Magic's energy just completely dissipate. And this is still the problem for this Magic team, is their their energy is based on their shot making, their energy is based on things going well for them. They do not respond well to adversity, and that is a huge problem for the team, and one that the coaches can't answer, only the players can answer. But give Frank Vogel a little bit of credit for trying to change the starting lineup, trying to change the rotation a little bit. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but let's run through the final statistics on this game again: the Orlando Magic fall to the Indiana Pacers, one twenty-one to one oh nine. A sparsely attended twelve thousand five hundred one at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I actually noticed that during the game, there were a lot of empty seats, which is kind of sad because the, this Pacers team is really good. They they look really really strong this season. Orlando shoots 43.5% from the floor, 40 for 92, 16 for 41, 41 three-pointers for the Orlando Magic. So to me, even though the Magic shoot 39% on three-pointers, to me, that is way too many three-pointers. I've said this before, I think the Magic's ideal number of three-pointers is 30. If they take 30 attempts per game, make 12 of them, that is probably the money spot for the Magic on three-pointers. they got to find a way to get to the basket more. They shoot 16 free throws in the game. Only get 10 off, they get 10 offensive rebounds. So they did a decent job on the glass, uh, creating some second-chance opportunities. But settling way too much for three-pointers, That if you're settling for three-pointers like that, you are a make-or-miss team. You're either going to make a lot of them or you're going to miss a lot of them. And while this team is an improved three-point shooting team, this is not a team that should rely solely on the three-pointer. they got to find a way to get into a, into the paint. And that was probably largely one of the reasons why Frank Vogel decided to change his starting lineup and start Jonathan Simmons over Terrence Ross. Simmons did a good job getting into the paint, kind of mixing some things up, but still, just it, it didn't feel like a great fit. Um, he leads the team in scoring with 21 points, makes 6-14 of 14 from the floor, Four for nine from beyond the arc. Gets to the line for six free throws, a team high. But three turnovers to one assist. Wasn't really playmaking like he was earlier in the year. Uh, and, and you know, he, he's he's kind of hit or miss on his shots at the rim. And, and I think, you know, and I'll again, I'll talk more about the starting lineup changes, but I'll, I'll say this here. I really think that Simmons is... I was I'm still really concerned with Simmons playing in that starting lineup. I'm still really concerned with there just being too many mouths to feed as far as guys who need shots. I mean, everyone in the Magic starting lineup took at least 10 shots except for Alfred Payton who took 8. Aaron Gordon only got 10 and he had a fantastic game. Um I would have liked to see him get more shots. Um there's just too many guys that need the ball in their hands and and frankly Maybe not enough guys who are who are willing to pass the ball and just willing to kind of stand on the perimeter and, and shoot threes. And that's one of the reasons I like Terrence Ross in that role. Um, and was surprised to see the Magic make that lineup change. Terrence Ross, to, to, to that point, 3 for 11 from the floor, 1 for 6 from beyond the arc, 7 points off the bench, 5 rebounds, 3 assists for him. Um, played really well in the second quarter. Um, I think uh, most of the I think most of those makes came in the second quarter. Um, really Good selection with the with the shot selection. Played with a lot of energy, especially on the defensive end. Got a block shot. Was was scrambling around. Big reason why the Magic were able to stay in the game in the second quarter and and kind of 
hang around with the Pacers. The second quarter stretch was honestly the best stretch for the Magic all game, um, especially on the defensive end. Give a lot of credit to Ross. Give a lot of credit to Bismack Biombo, who in seven and a half minutes played really, really well. Only two points, two rebounds, uh, but got a block. Felt like he had more, um, and, and and I thought it had a really positive impact on the game there. But Ross in the second half started taking a little too many shots. Um, started taking some contested threes again. Way too many threes for the Magic. Uh, Ross was certainly guilty of it. Uh, and so just a, a, a weird game. It, it felt like everyone was still kind of getting their rhythm. But I think Ross off the bench will work. I think he is comfortable in that role. Uh, and he's obviously getting shots now. I mean, he, he's not taking three shots like he did the last game. So um, I think overall that could be a good thing for the Magic in the long run. Aaron Gordon, like I said, a very strong game. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 for 10 shooting, 4 for 7 from beyond the arc, 4 block shots. This was as energetic as we've seen Aaron Gordon play defense. I really like this Aaron Gordon um, the Magic ended up having to stick him on Victor Oladipo at the end of the game because Victor Oladipo was just on fire. Was the only guy that could really slow him down. Uh, Oladipo didn't miss a lot of shots, but the shots he did miss were because Gordon was defending him. Uh, and so I think that Gordon had the kind of game you want to see from him. Less one-on-one basketball, more getting shots in rhythm, in, in off-ball reversals, off-ball movement, cutting to the basket, getting out in transition. Magic need more of that from Aaron Gordon. They need to get him more shots. Um, he needs to be more efficient with his shots when he gets them, but um, a solid game from Aaron, especially on the defensive end. Good to see him bounce back on that end. Nikola Vucevic, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, 7 for 17 shooting, 2 for 5 from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, it's becoming a broken record with Vucevic. Uh, the offensive numbers are fine. Uh, he, he was not efficient with a shot, missed a couple of hook shots, missed a bunch of threes, um, missed a couple jumpers, but... The offense is expected at this point. You expect Vooch to, to get 15 points and, and grab 10, 11, 12 rebounds. I mean, that's that's Nikola Vucevic. The defense is just becoming a growing problem. Uh, like I said, I thought Bismack Biombo was fantastic defensively. In the seven and a half minutes that he played, the Magic had an 88 defensive rating. That's when they got back into the game. They were down eight at the end of the first quarter. They got back into the game, thanks in large part to the efforts of that second unit. Bismack Biombo was fantastic. I still have no clue why he did not play in the second half of this game. Um, I thought that he was very, very good. I, I, I said on the Facebook Live yes on Monday that I think that the, the starting lineup change that I would make for this team is to start Bismack Biombo over Nikola Vucevic. So I'm I'm a little perplexed by some of the rotation decisions. Why Maurice Bates is playing more backup center minutes than Bismack Biombo at this point? Um, I think. It, the team needs defense, and the team's best defender is Bismack Biombo. Nikola Vucevic, I am still in the camp that Nikola Vucevic is a better defender than people give him credit for, but he has regressed significantly from last year. I thought he made some significant strides last year. He has really, really regressed this year. His angles are just off. Um, he's just he's not challenging effectively at the rim. His hands are down on jumpers. It, it it's. It's it's little things. They could click back into place very, very quickly. Again, like I've said so many times, this is a rhythm team. The team really thrives on its own rhythm, on getting, uh, on playing well and just kind of builds on itself. When they're not playing well, they're really, really bad. When they are playing well, they're really, really good. And it doesn't feel like there's much of a middle. And so Vucevic right now is just very off kilter on the defensive end. And, and that certainly needs to change for him and for this team to be successful. Just running through these stats, I've gone a little longer than I wanted to here. Evan Fournier, 12 points, 5 for 15 shooting, 1 for 6 from beyond the arc, 4 assists, 
struggled to shoot the ball, was really off on some of his shots, and his defense was not particularly good either. Alfred Payton, 15 points, 5 assists, 4 turnovers on 6 for 8 shooting for him. DJ Augustin, 11 points off the bench. Notables for the Indiana Pacers, Victor Oladipo, 26 points, 11 for 14 shooting, 4 for 6 from beyond the arc, 6 rebounds, 5 steals, also 5 turnovers, and 4 blocks for him. The former Magic guard made his first 11 shots. Like I said, the Magic ended up switching Aaron Gordon onto him, and that cooled him off uh, successfully for the moment. Uh, but Oladipo was getting was walking into easy jumpers, did really whatever he wanted. Some great scoring efforts from several Pacers. 22 for Bojan Bogdanovic, 19 for DeMontis Sabonis. Didn't feel like he had 19, but he had 19. 18 for Lance Stevenson and 18 for Miles Turner. The Indiana Pacers shoot 53.2% from the floor, 15 for 26 from beyond the arc. Get to the line for 26 free throw attempts, 22 for 26 on the game. And the Magic's defense, again, had no answer, especially when the Pacers poured it on at the end from beyond the arc. And this game's going to be notable because the Magic did end up making a starting lineup change. Um, obviously, uh, the story that, that's been passed around or the story that, that the Magic are telling the media right now, uh, Terrence Ross, uh, Frank Vogel said that Terrence Ross came to him a few games ago, said that you know if he was thinking of making a lineup change, that he would volunteer to go to the bench. Um, it's a role that he feels comfortable in. It, it, he thought that it might help his offensive game, which I, I think it did, even though he didn't shoot particularly well. Um, and and it was it was something that that was under discussion for some time, and, and, and the Magic finally pulled the trigger. You know, the 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 Jonathan Simmons for Terrence Ross thing is something that a lot of people have been suggesting since the beginning of the season. Um, I've given my reasons why I did not think I did a whole podcast. You can go back and look look it up um, on why I thought that that wasn't quite the right move. Uh, and, and I still feel that way because Terrence Ross was a good defender, was was one of the few guys that was playing really, really well on the defensive end and, and taking care of his responsibilities. Not that's not to say that Ross is a better defender than Simmons. Simmons is still a better defender, but I, I really liked what Terrence Ross did and did not think that he was the problem. The Magic played okay with this starting lineup. And, and so this was the move that the Magic decided to make. So so no matter what you think about it, whether you thought that the Magic should go a different direction, should have kept Ross in the lineup, this is the move that we have to analyze. So let's not talk about the hypotheticals. Let's not talk about who should be starting. Let's just talk about what happened on Monday. The starting lineup for the Orlando Magic played together for 23 minutes uh, in the game. They had a 101 offensive rating. Not a great offensive rating, well below the team's average. It's They're averaging about a 104 offensive rating. But as I have said numerous times, the problem, uh, offense will come, I think. I think that the team, that that group would need some time to gel offensively. But where this lineup change needed to have an effect, where it mattered most, is on the defensive end. And in those 23 minutes, and, and adding Jonathan Simmons to the lineup, logically would say, oh, they'll be a better defensive team because they'll have a better defender in there. The Magic's defensive rating in those 23 minutes with that starting lineup, that's Alfred Payton, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic, was a whopping 126.5. Orlando struggled mightily on the defensive end this game. And it is just one game and is a very small sample size. And... Frank Vogel said last year when he made lineup changes that he felt like he needed to give it time to, to really settle and he can't be just changing the lineup willy-nilly 
That's how players lose confidence in their coach and their coach's decision making. So I would expect that this I would suspect that this will be the starting lineup for the time being for the next probably five, six games at least. At least until Jonathan Isaac comes back, maybe. But it's it, it's definitely a problem that the defense did not show an immediate spark or an immediate change. Undoubtedly, if you watched the game, you saw that the energy picked up. The Magic were playing with a lot more energy and a lot more urgency. So that message was certainly received. But the team's defense was still shaky. And that's to put it kindly, because a 126.5 defensive rating, even in 23 minutes, is really bad. Again, the point was to improve the first and third quarters. Orlando gave up 33 points in the first quarter. A lot of it coming in the back half of the first quarter. The Magic actually, I thought, played some good defense in the early part, but again, they, they kind of lost it. When their shot stopped falling, the Magic kind of lost some of their defensive focus and intensity. And again, they let go of the rope at the end. So how much do we buy into this? How much do we do we think about this? It's obviously one game and it's it's a small sample. But I think it shows, and it's emblematic, that this team's problems go much deeper than this lineup change cures. To me, this lineup change was a cosmetic change. It did not resolve any of the problems that the team had. It switched one good defender out for another good defender, but did not hit the underlying problems with this Magic defense. The Magic defense right now, it's not about effort. The Magic are playing, for the most part, Monday certainly, Magic played hard. It's about execution. It's about being able to be in your spot, and it's about making a play. When the Magic cut the lead down to one, it was because Aaron Gordon was flying around making plays. He was determined not to let the opponent score. And... That wasn't present. That desperation, that urgency wasn't present early on. And it's maybe not something you can get from a guy like Nikola Vucevic. It's maybe something you can't get from a guy like Alfred Payton and Evan Fournier. Those are three players who have historically struggled on the defensive end. And it's not like there's a better option for Alfred because D.G. Augustin isn't much of a defender. It's not like... You know, Bismack Biombo has been so consistent. He's been better, but not consistent. And it's not like Terrence Ross is as good of a scorer as Evan Fournier. You don't want to give up too much offense for defense. But this is why I've been saying that, you know, when the time comes, I would start Jonathan Isaac. Because he'll go out there and make plays without demanding the ball too much. Clearly, the team, that starting lineup needs some work. And, and I think Vogel was was hesitant to make a lineup change without having a practice to, to implement it and get it in. And so Tuesday, the Magic will practice. We may see a very different team or different, a much more comfortable team Wednesday night against Oklahoma City. But it is still instructive to me that only one starter had a positive plus-minus. It was Jonathan Simmons at plus one. 
that this st- the starting lineup still did not work. It still did not have, still did not fix the problems that the Magic had, at least statistically. And even watching the game, it was slightly better, but only marginally. As as I've said, as I wrote uh, last week, the Magic know what they have to do to to get out of this rut. They say all the right things all the time. But they don't act on it. They don't take that next step and and kind of walk the talk that they're talking. And that's the toughest thing to do, don't get me wrong. But they're saying the same things they said last year and we're seeing the same results as last year. And if the Magic truly want to save their season, they either got to start doing it, which they haven't done now for nine games, or Frank Vogel really has to consider some more serious lineup changes in the very near future. If this is the decision he's made, he absolutely has to give this a chance. But with the way players are playing on the defensive end, Jonathan Simmons alone is definitely not enough. And that was proven out Monday. The change that the Magic made was largely cosmetic. Putting one piece in for another. It didn't impact things. It didn't drastically change things. If anything, it showed exactly where the problems are. And maybe one game isn't enough to act on that. But I have a strong feeling we're going to see the same problems pop up again. The same pick-and-roll coverages that are blown. The same rotation coverages that are blown. Because the problem, because the lineup change that, that, that Vogel is implementing didn't solve the problem. And that leads to some bigger questions. Of course, if you followed the NBA on Monday, the big news around the league is the Memphis Grizzlies have fired coach David Fisdale. Like the Magic, the Grizzlies are on a long losing streak. Uh, They have injuries partially to blame for that. There's apparent, according to several reports, there was a clash between Fisdale and star player Marcus Gasol. But why am I telling you about this? I've talked about the Locked On NBA Podcast Network on this show several times telling you it's the best place to get news about about every team in the NBA. Every NBA team has a Locked On podcast, just like the Locked On Magic podcast, covering teams with extensive detail, with great detail on a daily basis. Peter Edmiston is the host of Locked On Grizzlies. He joined David Locke of, Locked, of the Locked On NBA podcast, which you should also subscribe to as well for kind of sound bites like the one you're about to hear uh, on the big news around the NBA. He joined them to talk a little bit about the aftermath of the fi- of the firing of David Fisdale and what it might mean for the Grizzlies moving forward. I'm sure Magic fans will be interested to hear about this. Could this the be, be the beginning of a road that leads to a Gasol trade and starts a full-out rebuild for the Memphis Grizzlies? I always kind of thought after last year that it would be either Mark or Fisdale. You know, an eight-game losing streak could balloon to, like, something crazy if they don't get this fixed ASAP. 
and very few coaches can survive when things aren't going well and you reel off a, you know, a double-digit losing streak. So it may lead to a Gasol trade. It may lead to Fisdale being fired. I, it's, I think it's a coin flip at this point uh, which one of those is more likely. And that was recorded before Monday's firing. I apologize for that. It was recorded before Monday's firing, predicting pretty accurately that the Grizzlies would fire David Fisdale. And, you know, it, it brings up an interesting point, something that 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 a lot of people have asked me about and have, and have, and have, and have you know, a question that's been arising among Magic fans that you, you can't ignore because the Magic are in a bad losing streak. I mean, even as bad as the Magic have been over the last five years, they... They find a way to scratch out a win here or there. They don't. They they rarely went on double digit losing streaks. And and the Magic are knocking on the door with Oklahoma City and their firepower, and then Golden State and their firepower coming to town. They're knocking on the door of a very very long losing streak. And not only that, a losing streak that saw them go from surprise team in the Eastern Conference, darling of the NBA, to oh yep yeah, yep yeah, they're the Magic. They're back. They're back to being the Magic. Some of that has to fall on the coach. And so I have, I mean, as 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 Peter says there in the clip, anytime you lose this many games in a row, it's tough to stomach, and you got to look at the coach just a little bit. I've been asked on several occasions by followers that, asking, is Frank Vogel's job in jeopardy here? And my answer at the moment is no. I think Frank Vogel gets the entire season no matter what. I think that the Magic have changed coaches so many times in the last four years, last four seasons. They valued the the continuity and they thought that that would give them a bump and it did for a little while. But at this point, they've changed a coach so many times without changing the players that if anything... I put this losing streak on the players more than the coach. If anything, we learned in those first eight games that the system that Frank Vogel wants to run, both on offense and on defense, works. And now it's up to the players to execute it. And they've had every opportunity to do so. They've had every single opportunity this year, last year, to buy into this system with the weight of expectation and all that. The Magic have changed coaches so many times. There's been only a, there's only one element that hasn't changed. If you, if you remember your science fair, you change you have your dependent variable, you have your independent variable. You change the variables, you have your constant too. You 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 change the variables to figure out what was wrong. What what caused this change? The Magic have changed coaches to the same result over and over and over again. And so, you hate saying this, but the problem is the players. The players clearly aren't getting something across multiple coaches. There's something intangible or something internal about them that just is not getting the message across about how they need to play to win basketball games. And at a certain point, it's time to move on from the from several of these players. Now, obviously, Frank Vogel is not the coach that the new GM and the new and the new front office hired. And so that definitely puts him a little bit at risk. But as I've said on several occasions on this show, and, and, I, and I will continue to say and continue to use this line, 
This season for the Magic is a no-lose season. The whole purpose of this season, if I'm Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, is to evaluate what I have on the roster, make decisions for the future, and begin to cycle out the players that I no longer need. I'm not married to any of these players, just like I'm not married to the coach, but I'm not married to any of these players because I did not draft them. I have no preconceived notions about them other than maybe what I've scouted. And to be honest, this Magic team has confirmed a lot of those preconceived notions so far this year. And as as you probably see when you talk to me online, we all agree on several of the moves that need to be made. The timing might be what's different for all of us, but certainly we all can see the writing on the wall for several players that the Magic probably need to move on from and and just kind of either take a talent hit for now or look for an upgrade upgrade in the near future. Still, there are definitely things Frank Vogel can do. We saw him make a lineup change, and I just spent nine and a half minutes saying that it wasn't enough, that it was it was very much a cosmetic change and not a one that actually solves the problems that plague this team. This is a team that built up a lot of hope in those first 10 games of the season. and Or first 8 games of the season. And, Orlando, and, and the Magic fans deserve some payoff on that. They deserve to see the team gradually improve. Instead of take a step back. Or stay stagnant off a 29-win season. And some of that falls on Vogel for sure. He's got to find a way to simplify his schemes or make his schemes work around whatever limitations his players have. But at the end of the day, to me, it comes down to execution. It comes down to whether the players execute a game plan that works. And we've seen that this game plan works. And I just don't think the players are executing it. I think the players are giving in to frustration. I think the players are chasing chasing their own stats to some extent. Some players certainly are. They're not trusting each other. They're trying to force action when things go wrong instead of trusting each other. And I think there's only so much a coach can do. So no, I don't blame Frank Vogel. No, I don't think he will get fired. But I could I could be wrong. I would not fire Frank Vogel. I think that he is a very good coach. I think that he has gotten a lot out of this roster. He's wrung a lot out of this roster, especially considering kind of how they've reacted and how they've played the last two years when things get really, really tough. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Remember, you can check out the Locked on NBA podcast. You can find that on iTunes. Search for Locked on NBA. Be sure to check out the Locked on NBA podcast network's Facebook page to search for Locked on NBA uh, for that. For that, um, I'll try and provide a link as well on my page to, to to that too. You can catch up all the Locked On NBA podcasts. Remember, there's a Locked On NBA podcast for every single team in the NBA covering the teams with the day-to-day detail just like I do. So be sure to check that out. You can follow me on, you can of course subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as likes on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can find me on Twitter at philipbar underscore omd, always open for conversation. You can contact the show if you have any advertising inquiries or any questions or comments by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily.
daily. That's going to do it for me. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.